And this is Goodnight Harlem, a long time no show. Ugh, long time no see. Oh yeah, we never see y'all. Exactly. But that could all change soon. Anywho, um, we have a lot to get to today. So I hope that y'all have a little time to spend with us because Hyper Goodnights are going to be fun today and the main topic is going to be even Even more more funner. All right, let's start with Hyper Good Nights. So, for those of you who are new to the show, Hyper Good Nights is our way of talking about trending topics. We hype things we like, we good night things that we do not like. So, let's start with a quick story about our good friend Diddy. So, if you guys aren't aware, Diddy and Cassie broke up uh, a few months ago i don't even want to say it's been a full last year i don't want to say it's been a full year though no it hasn't been it's been like nine months or something but they were together in a relationship for at least 10 years 11 oh those details are murky that's why they kept playing mary j blige not gonna cry when they broke up because they were like same thing so with that being (laughs) said um a lot of people were shocked to see Cassie come up on IG pregnant. Her trainer Bay had a good little, well, I want to say a good three, four paragraphs, just basically talking about how she's going to be a great mother. And I was, I was, I was just as shocked as everyone else, and not shocked that she's pregnant, but more or less shocked at how quickly the turnaround was. And of course, the person who responded was none other than Diddy himself congratulating the two on IG, letting everybody know he's happy for them. So, Avia, I want to know from you, hyper good night to Diddy congratulating Cassie and her new trainer, Bay on their pregnancy. I'm going to say good night. Why is that? I just thought it was weird. Not not that you can't be happy for your ex, but I thought that in the post, he tags Cassie, but doesn't tag Alex Fine, who's the trainer that she's with. Well, who did he have a more relationship with? I mean, you're congratulating both of them, so why don't you tag them both? Right? I mean, that's what I'm reading. You're, you're congratulating both of them. They're both on this journey. You can't have a baby without him, so why not congratulate him too and tag him in the in the picture? So he didn't tag him, so I thought that that was weird. And then on top of that, I, I felt like he did it all for show, personally. If we know Diddy, then we know Diddy is like one of the most emotional men out there. There's nothing wrong with that. He's actually probably really in touch with his feelings. I'm still waiting for I Need a Girl Part 3. Please put that in the queue. <laughs> But until then, I mean, everyone was commenting under his post saying, oh, this is big of you. Like, wow, big ups to you. Like, this is amazing. And I think the gesture is fine, but I don't feel like 
personally, my opinion, I oh, just don't feel go. like it's genuine. Yeah. I feel like he's he's really hurting. And he wants to show good face on the internet. Wow. So, so good so night. You, you, you don't believe any of it. Is what you just basically said. Basically, I'm like, look, if you're going to congratulate, tag them both or don't tag either one. But you tagged one, you didn't tag the other, and it just seems weird. And I feel like he just did it so that people would be, like, shutting up about, ooh, I wonder what Diddy thinks. Like, I feel like he did that as a response to the people questioning how Diddy feels about the situation. Because the first thing people were asking when Cassie even announced her pregnancy in her discreet way was that, oh my gosh, Diddy must be torn up. First he lost Kim, then he lost Cassie again, and you know he's going through it. And I feel like he just put this post up to shut up the haters, personally. What about you? Um, so, I don't like bashing anybody, and I try to stay out of other people's business for the most part. But since No, we don't. Is, we got a podcast. We all and everybody. Since this is the segment where we talk about trending topics. <laughs> since we are in people's business today. Yeah. In every episode. Yeah. <laughs> I think I am going to actually goodnight this. And, and the only reason I'm going to goodnight this is because to me, this this plays this plays one way to me. And I'm sorry that it comes off this way to me, but it plays very narcissistically to me. Like it plays you bringing yourself into this when it doesn't need to be about you you didn't nothing. need to be you didn't need to post about it you need to do anything you could have told her directly you needed to do any kind of public anything mm-hmm. and i think when you when i think of narcissism i think of like people who have that inflated sense of importance and like in a deep deep excessive need for attention and i feel like what you were doing there was a, a attention seeking and that's no disrespect. It's just that's how I internalized that. And a lot of other people, I'm sure, took it the same way. I just looked on Twitter to see Diddy Narcissist. And one of the things that came up was about that. And it was basically comparing Chris Brown to Diddy, even though the Chris Brown thing ended up being fake. Chris Brown commenting under Victor Cruz's... About his style. Style. Commenting under his picture about his style. They were saying both Chris Brown and Diddy are one and the same. This is just different levels of narcissism. And that's kind of like how I feel about this. I literally just did this search as we were just talking about it. Because I'm like, my thought is this is narcissistic. So, boom. And that's it. That's all I got on it. It's almost like he's saying, hey, just letting you know you have my approval. (laughs) Okay. The only thing that she was worried about your approval about Diddy was the fact that she wanted a trainer when you guys were together and you got her one. Little did you know, you also got her a baby daddy. So you mad. And just say you mad. I don't know if he's mad. I don't. Because he's one of those people he's that's sad. all about positive vibes. So I don't know. And I, just because you're mad doesn't mean that you, you can't have positive vibes. I mean, we're all human beings. But sometimes you people project things out on the internet that they actually want to believe and actually want to be like and just so that they can hold themselves accountable and i feel like this is his way of doing so which is a very narcissistic thing to do like you said all right let's go to our next topic so um, i actually want to transition into something that kind of blew black twitter up even further and this goes into three people within the black community that we give a a lot of credit to. We put them on a pedestal. 
and not in a bad way. Uh, these three people are three women. One, Ava DuVernay. Two, Oprah. And three, Gail, who, of course, is Oprah's confidant. So, um, all three of these women, and I don't know if you have the, the, the commentary from this, but all three of these women came out in opposition to being called auntie. Ava don't like being called auntie. Oprah don't like being called auntie. And Gail said the same thing. She does not like that. Um, Oprah made it very clear that, you know, in Africa, it's different. So she'd accept it if it was directly from Africans, whereas uh, both Gail and Ava kind of felt like, I mean, if we're family, that's one thing. But to be calling me uh, auntie sounds old. It sounds like something you say to older people. It does not sound like something you should be saying to me. And none of them want to be viewed as old. So with that being said, the fact that both of the, all, all three of them kind of took that personally, I want to know from you, hyper good night, especially as a woman, hyper good night to all these women feeling offended by being called auntie. <sighs> Clearly, I'm still processing. I want to say good night, but you know what? I'm not their age, so I can't speak from from their perspective. And it seems like from their perspective, especially Ava and Gail, they both mentioned in their commentary, like, don't call me auntie. I'm, what am I old? Like, I'm only whatever age. Ava is 46, and I think Gail's the opposite, reverse of that. Gail's like 64. 60, yeah, and 46, Oprah's, 64. Oprah's 65. Yeah, so they... I, the connotation is that they feel like when you call them auntie, you are regarding them as an older person and they don't want to be referenced in such a manner. And I guess in the same token, it's kind of like if someone calls me ma'am, <laughs> that's a sign of respect. But for me, because I feel like a ma'am is a certain age that's not my age, I'm like, dang, do I look like a ma'am? You know, so I'm not going to good night it. I'm going to hype it because I feel like people have their own idea of, of what they get from certain labels. And if they don't want to be called something, they, they will make it be known. It reminds me of uh, this thing that was trending earlier this year. Um, there was a 14-year-old girl that asked uh, Maya Angelou a question in this, like, interview from like 1990 and when she asked her a question it was about interracial dating she addresses Maya by her name and Maya said thank you and first I'm Mrs. I'm Ms. Angelou I'm not Maya I'm 62 years old I've lived so long and tried so hard that a young woman like you or any other has no license to come up to me and call me by my first name she said, that's first. Also, because at the same time, I'm your mother, I'm your auntie, I'm your teacher, I'm your professor, see? So, and everybody was going off about that. They were saying, wow, she really put her in her place and she should have known better and everything like that. I think the only thing that I would goodnight is people expecting people to know what to call them. And so in that regard, just be safe and call someone Miss whatever. 
Because it seems like everyone has something that they're against, and that's just what it is. Well, uh, I am never going to be here to tell somebody what they should and shouldn't be okay with somebody calling them. Um, because I know people that are uncomfortable with people calling them black. I know people that are uncomfortable with people being called wow. African American. I know people that are uncomfortable being called a bunch of things. But that does not mean I have to agree with any of this stuff. So with that being said, I'm good nighting the fuck out of them because to me that just means you don't understand the internet age. You don't understand the context in which all this stuff is being said. And also you don't get to control the narrative in which people speak about you. You don't. You think you can. But the internet's the internet. So if they're calling Charlemagne Uncle Charla, and if they're calling Denzel Uncle, I'm sorry. There is nothing you're going to do to change that. You can tell them, I don't want to be called this. You can even go out as your way and say, oh, well, y'all don't call Beyonce auntie. Y'all call her queen. How come I can't be queen? You can be all of those and all in one. But ultimately, unless one of them are interviewing you or unless they know you personally, you're never going to be called exactly what you want. That's just reality. And, and just either don't respond to people that call you that or just ignore it. Period. Period. All right. <laughs> Speaking of Ava, <laughs> Ava produced something you mean, Auntie that. Ava. I'm uh, Queen <laughs> Ava. Like, what the fuck am I talking about? So, Sis. Um, Ava DuVernay produced something right now that's so high in terms of critical acclaim that. How could we miss talking about this? How could we not? Um, she did a doc, a docu series in a way. I'm not sure we call it a docu series because it was a reenactment. Reenactment series. It was. A, series. It was a, <laughs> I don't know what yeah. it's. Yeah, it's basically, can you call it, it that? Is a reenactment series. Basically. Okay. Um, and and essentially, she did a four part series on the Central Park Five, where she used actors and actresses to bring that story to life and tell the story in its full glory um and i don't know if i should be using the word glory and rather the misappropriation of that word but where i was going to go with this is a lot of black twitter and a lot of black folks in general felt very strongly that they could not watch that four-part series because a lot of us already know about this and we know how it ends and so in knowing that to sit through that could be hard for some people so let's start there hyper good night to black people choosing not to watch the series when they see us about the Central Park Five. I want to start with this, actually. I was one of the people, and I still am one of the people, that have chosen not to actually watch this series throughout. I watched one full episode out of the four, and I was just like, oh, I can't finish this. I am the same person. I, I'm, 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 I can't help this. I do, I'm not interested in watching slave movies. I am not interested in... In reliving the history behind this stuff because I know enough about it. I've been taught it my entire life. My parents have went out of their way to make sure I understood black history to a point where when I watch films about black history, which normally deal with the it's normally dealing in the trauma. It's dealing in the the worst portions of it because there's there's not very much good that was happening then. It brings me to a very dark place. It sends me to a space where I I might boil in me a, a, a dislike for white people over it. And so I remove myself from watching those things because I don't want to go down the street and think, man, does this white person think this of me? Is he trying to like do this to me? Like, that's all it does. It sparks these things inside of me. And I'm not saying that it's not good to be educated. It is not good to understand these things. 
But once I have an understanding of them, me watching in a reenactment of any kind is not going to do me any justice. It's not going to do anybody any justice. It's going to make me turn into someone that has hatred in his heart. And I don't want to be that person. So that's my two cents on it. So I completely understand it. And so I'm not goodnighting anybody that doesn't want to watch it. So big up to anybody that, that feels that way. So Have you ever it. seen 12 Years a Slave? I did watch 12 Years a Slave. And not be, wait, 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 let me be clear. Not because it's something I wanted to watch, but because somebody that I was dating at the time wanted to watch that. And so we went to we went to see it. And we both agreed it was one of the worst movies we ever watched. So what if the person you're dating now wants to see this with you? You would just refuse? That did happen. That's how I watched that one episode. And now I'm not watching anything else. That's exactly how it happened. Um, I'm going to hype night this. And I really tried not to, but I can see both sides. I'm going to hype people not watching it because I have to have some sort of level of sensitivity when it comes to the situation. Um, because this is still happening today. Right now we have a, um, a young man who just graduated college, or I, I believe he's still in college, who's getting locked up for like 20 years for a rape that never happened. And so stuff like this is still relevant. It's still happening. So I can understand why any black person would not want to see a reenactment series of something that happens every single day because we see it on social media and we see it in the news. And it's like, maybe it's not on the same magnitude, but it's in the same realm. And some black men are living this right now. Um, so in that aspect, I, you know, I can only hype that because as a black person, I can understand not wanting to relive it like what you said. I did see 12 Years a Slave, and I remember how I felt coming back from the movie theater, being on the train on the way home, and literally hating every single person I saw that was not black. And I can honestly admit that, because that's the way that that movie made me feel. It really, really tugged at everything inside of me. And I can understand a black person not being ready to have that feeling again if they've ever seen something like that. And there is no right time to watch something like this, honestly. I think people aren't watching it because they don't want to feel upset. And they know that's the feeling that's going to come from watching it. Um, I'm gonna goodnight this as well because I feel like everyone needs to watch it. I do. I have coworkers that are not minorities, some that are, but they're not black, who have watched the whole entire series and they told me they were sobbing at the end of it. And for me, I actually liked hearing that because that told me that they had sensitivity levels to a touchy subject when it comes to racism and black being black people being affected by such racism. And it opened doors for conversation between them and I and why it's harder for me to watch it than for them to watch it because they were able to watch the whole series. And yeah, they, they felt strong emotions while doing so, but I literally watched 35 minutes of it and I couldn't even get through the first episode. Part of that reason is because I have a cousin who's going through a similar situation, not dealing with rape, but dealing with drugs 
and he he was innocent because there was nothing on his person but he's serving a mandatory sentence of 19 years and he's been in jail for 10 of those years and he's my age so i can't even imagine my own life a third of it being spent in jail for something i did not do so when i say this is relevant i can understand why people would not want to even touch these lines but you know what on the other hand ava and these actors and the men involved in this situation did their due diligence to put this story out there in the best form possible. And when I tell you the acting is amazing, it's part of the reasons why it was hard for me to watch. And I feel like because of that, we owe it to ourselves as a black community. We owe it to ourselves as, as Americans, nation, um, to, to have this education. And yes, you can read about it online, but there's nothing that will make you actually empathize in that way like something like this would. So the the next subject is in addition to what we were just talking about in relation to the Central Park Five. As you all know, 45, a.k.a. Captain Orange, a.k.a. fucking President Donald Reagan, Trump. Junior, the fifth, third bank. Um, he always manages to say the wrong thing and always ends up proving that in some capacity he might have some racism in him that's overt <laughs> enough for us to see clear as day. Um, and so with that being said, I want you guys to hear this clip directly from the horse's or the orange thing's mouth. April. Hey, Mr. President, will you apologize for why do you bring that question up now? It's an interesting time to bring it up. Uh, you have people on both sides of that. They admitted their guilt. If you look at Linda Fairstein and if you look at some of the prosecutors, uh, they think that the city should never have settled that case. So we'll leave it at that. Well... 45 yet again proves that you can always say the wrong thing even when the only thing you really needed to say was I'm sorry <laughs> um I don't even know if this is worthy of a true hyper good night because we're both good nighting him but I will say this much before we move on or anything of that nature our president has set a new precedence for horribleness he really has you double down on putting an advertisement across two newspapers that basically claim that these kids should receive the death penalty. And then when all the evidence comes to life, even with DNA testing, you still double down on your initial point. You are the worst. The only thing I got to say is I've realized that when Trump knows the right thing to say or when he knows that the minority is in the right in any situation he always uses the term like oh there is blame on both sides or you know there's bad people on both sides or he always uses the term both sides to make it seem like well it wasn't just this side it was this side too he did the same thing with charlottesville when people got ran over and they had the you know the white supremacists doing the anti-semitic chants and everything like that 
he did the same exact thing. So anytime you hear him mention both sides, just know that he knows in his heart of hearts that the minority is right, but he would never, ever want to admit that. Because he's trash. <laughs> All right, those are our hype good nights for the day. So let's get into um, our new segment. So I told you guys in previous episodes that either we would do a black car revoke or a fun fact. And for this month and this week, I'm responsible for either one of those. And in this case, I'm going to bring through the fun fact. And I hope you guys enjoy Ooh, this. can't wait. So... <laughs> <laughs> So, um, the, this week's fun fact deals with black women not getting married. And there has been a lot of statistics that's about fun. this stuff. That's, that's fun? Yeah, there's been a lot of statistics about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to bring light to the reality of it. Because this is about facts. And these are just fun things to actually, actually talk about and be realistic about. So, there's been a barrage of reports that have come out around black marriage rates giving the impression that African-American women in general have lower chances of walking down the aisle. Um, they, and this is partly due to a Yale study that found that just around 42% of black women are married. And a variety of high-profile uh, high news networks such as CNN, ABC picked that up and kind of ran with that figure. But researchers at this one place called Howard University I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Oh, wait. Oh, I think I've heard of it. You've heard of Howard. It's in D.C., right? Yeah. Okay. They have this thing called The Yard, but it's no the longer yard. The Yard. Well, what, what, let me be clear. That's where gentrifiers go to walk their dogs. Yes. 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 Okay. That I, place. I know that school. Accurate. That is accurate. <laughs> I've been to their homecoming a couple times. So, a researcher Ten. named Ivory. <laughs> Ivory. Oh, Ivory Tolson. At Howard University, uh, question the accuracy of those findings. Uh, kind of stating the often cited figure of 42% of black women never being married includes all black women 18 and older. Which, if you just did something very basic to this study, you can get down to real numbers. By raising the age in an analysis would completely eliminate age groups we know statistically don't expect to get married uh, as that would give us a true marriage rate. Right? Essentially, instead of looking at 18-year-olds, why don't you look at like 25, 27, 35 and up? Something like that, which is a lot more realistic. With that being said, our fun fact of the day is 75% of black women married before they turn age 35. After examining a census from the 2005 and 2009, they moreover found out something that blew me away even further, which is that black women in small towns have higher marriage rates than white women in urban centers such as New York and Los Angeles. And the media would have you believe on the other end that black women just can't find a way to get married. Lies. A lie. A so many lies. There's more to this, but I'm only going to stick to that for right now because. <laughs> but I just I do want this to be clear, though. 
there is this heightened sense around in these statements that are made that black women aren't able to find partners and that it's so hard for them to find love and it's so hard for them to become married. And there's nobody out there that they can be married to because black men in general aren't living up to X and Y, Z standard and blah, 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 blah. All this shit is bullshit. And if you just adjust the study just a smidge, you would know that. That's it. And you know what? Black men don't cheat, according to them. So clearly it's not that these black women, including myself, can't find a good one. That can't be it. Boom. <laughs> I mean, boom. No, I'm glad that you could dispel that myth because, honestly, I can look at my timeline and see that black women are getting married. That's <laughs> like social media makes it very obvious what's going on. So when I hear these numbers, I'm like, okay, whatever. It is. <sighs> It is, it is troublesome. Look up Munaluchi Brides. Look up that hashtag on social media. How do you spell that? Munaluchi is M-U-N-A-L-U-C-H-I. Or you can look up Munaluchi Brides. It's nothing but black women getting married. Got you. I ain't never heard of that. So you just put me it's, on the game. Well, it's, a, it's a black wedding publication. That's so awesome. So who subscribes to that? Black women getting married. <laughs> it wasn't just 42 per, 42% of us. <laughs> Apparently not, about 75%, to be oh, honest. It was off by 30-something. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Which leads us to our main topic of the day. Our main topic is going to centralize around the thought of not only marriage in itself, but... Things that more, happen until you get married. Uh, uh, <laughs> right? But a lot more around what being an influencer is. And what that means in the context of the story that you try to portray to people, as well as what your marriage means to other people and what your marriage vows and the things that you tell people about yourself, that perceived value that you put on yourself, what that actually means. So let's get to the guts of this. Um, Actually, I want you to do this. I want you to fill them in on the story that we're going to go over. It's around a, a social influencer. And I want you to give the context around who this person is. So around the time that uh, Black Men Don't Cheat Day came out, I think that was a Tuesday or something like that, a couple days prior to that, there was a website that became pretty popping on the social media platforms because of a certain person's name mentioned. That website was J and G Forever. And on that website, a woman by the name of Gina exposes her fiance's indiscretions on the day that they were supposed to get married. In this blog post that she puts up, uh, she writes about how her and her fiance were supposed to get married on that day, but she realized four months ago that he was cheating on her with multiple women. And so that's when they broke up. The person that she was engaged to is this man by the name of Josen Cummings. Now, Josen Cummings is a online media uh, personality, I should say. He started off with his blog, Until I Get Married, in 2009. And from that blog, he used to write daily posts on his relationship status, relationship uh, issues, dating, Um, trying to navigate the dating world. And basically the blog was everything that he's pretty much gone through over the last 10 years until he got to the point of finding that person and proposing to them and 
you know, he was very much um, open and vulnerable and, and talked a lot about the things that he went through internally as a young man in New York just navigating women and feelings. And, and, and here's where I'm going to interject. So he is one of those guys that does the look into the screen, talk to men, and say things to make women feel like this is how a relationship should look. That's how the man should behave. These are the things to hold as standard. So he's the kind of guy that would say, guys, you know, you got to know better than to do X, Y, Z. Women, you got to know and understand that you don't have to take blah, 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 blah. And think more highly of yourself and be that person. And so because he's kind of set himself up to be that kind of barometer of, you know, what people should do in a relationship and, and all under the guise of I'm going to be seeking a long term relationship throughout this process. It makes people believe in the the thought of who he is versus the reality of who he is. Mm-hmm. I said all that to say. The way his fiance put him on blast, in my opinion, is one of the worst possible things you can do to somebody when that's their primary source of income. Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> um, so, yeah, he started his, his platform blogging on his own website, talked about his own dating issues. Um, eventually, him and Gina met. I think she's about five years his junior. I could be incorrect. Uh, but they met and he ended up proposing to her after a couple years of dating at the Daniel Caesar concert in New York City. Very public proposal. Uses grandmother's ring. Got picked up by ABC News. Man, proposes to longtime girlfriend at Daniel Caesar concert. Viral on Twitter from anyone who knows him and, and who he is. Um, meanwhile, you know, he has written for other platforms, Vibe, uh, Very Smart Brothers. He's often been a commentator on Insecure episodes. But what happened was Gina found out that Josen had been cheating on her. And on this blog post on their wedding day, she exposed him with, Basically, screenshots of text messages between him and a woman that he had history with. And according to these text messages, he had met up with this woman and had plans on meeting up with her again the next week while Gina was out of town for work. But the meetup that they had in these exchanges was everything sexual. And it did not involve a condom. And so in these... <laughs> I mean, the way that Avia came in strong with that, and it did not involve a condom. I think we need to note that. I need to. I think we need to note that for future reference. We're gonna. Put I already a, know what she's. We're gonna put a this. pin in that for now. Circle back. Circle back. The circle back queen yes. is back. I'm on my job today. So, in the summary of these text messages was basically a conversation between him and someone who he had prior history with. He mentioned you know, a gist of not seeing each other for a long time and how she still had it. And they talked about her taking plan B and about him being worried that maybe it's possible he could have impregnated her because when he saw her, he wanted to explode with passion. 
<laughs> Ooh, I'm about to dive in. So when word got out about this, uh, this blog post, or we should say the post on her wedding website, it the word spread like wildfire. And anyone from anyone on Lipstick Alley to Twitter were going in on Josen. Josen, from what I know, has terminated a lot of his social media since since she initially posted, which was in February, and has kind of been living a low-key lifestyle while out and about the same very damn time. Um, but what this has done, like Law has said, is it, it has created a side of a person who many saw as being a vulnerable man who was very close with his emotions and very keen on expressing them and someone who seemed to know the right thing to do and would battle with that often, but it basically shattered his facade. And I think this is where this is hard for me to swallow. Uh, I get that on one end, he was doing something so far off and so outside of your relationship that it would make you, you know, rail against him. But I will say this much. To go after him in a public forum means you're going after his livelihood. You're going after his moneymaker by doing that. And I can also feel like that's not right. Even all the while him doing the worst kind of fuckery behind his wife. So you don't agree with what she did? At all. I, I said this earlier, but I think when it comes down to ruining someone's career, you really have to think, like, am I still getting what I need? Like, do I really need to do this to impact them? Or is there a better way? I wish this could have been a hyper good night because I would have to hype night the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I've said this before in conversations with others, but I do understand the want to expose someone not being true to who they have shown themselves to be and have made a profit off of this facade. And I understand why she would want to go this route. Is it the right or wrong thing to do? I honestly don't think there is an answer for that, personally. Uh, there is oh. because in doing so, in You're saying wrong. in saying that in saying that this is the wrong thing to do, I think a lot of people have taken what she's done and have hold him on this pedestal, saying, "Well, now he has to go through this, and now he has to worry about this." My thing is, he did not think about those things when he did what he did. So I'm not gonna sit here and victimize the perpetrator. And I feel like that's what a lot of people have done in this situation. They have twisted around the story to make it seem like, well, she shouldn't have done what she did. And now he has to deal with the repercussions of what she did as opposed to what he actually did. And that's what it is. If you don't want to be exposed in such a manner, and he probably never thought that she had it in her to even do this, this such a thing. But if you don't want to be exposed then don't do something. Because just like his ex-fiance posted these screenshots, the girl he was dealing with, if she was having a bad day with him and she wasn't getting what she wanted, she could have done the same exact thing. Could she have not? 
And in that aspect, would it be like, well, she shouldn't have done it. No, he shouldn't have done it. At the end of the day, you've made a vow to the person that you're with. And not only, and this is what I forgot to say in the story, but what he was doing was telling these other women that him and his fiance had separated. So had the girl that he had sex with, Raw, found out that he wasn't actually separated, you tell me if she wouldn't have the leeway to post these same text messages that he sent her. And at that point, should we be feeling bad? Oh, no, I, I worry about his career. Was he worried about his career? And so on that token, I'm not saying that someone deserves to lose a job. That's not what I'm saying. Because Which is what it sounds like. Well, currently he, he works in a position that has nothing to do with relationships. So in that token, I don't think that that should even be connected to his transgressions outside of work. But when it comes to having a social media um, presence, I should say, where you have a huge following and you have a huge reputation for being this certain type of person. And this is a reputation that you yourself have created. It's not like you're a Rihanna and you make music and people expect you to be a, um, a role model. Because on that token, it's like, well, she makes music. Why is she a role model? Why should we deem her as such just because she makes music? But you have created a reputation based off of being a model citizen when it comes to dating. But the the question remains, are you really okay with his wife posting all of their business in that blog post? It has nothing to do with me. It's above me at this point. It's above him at this point. It really is. So if the question is now, are we okay with what she did? Are we okay with what he did? Because what we're talking about here is social media facades. We're talking about these influencers. We're talking about these people who have created these platforms and have gotten some sort of monetary compensation from doing so and not being who they actually said that they are. I get that. I get that. I'm just so. All, the only, is that okay? No, no, it is not. And I think we put too much uh, emphasis on propping people up that haven't actually, in some capacity, um, earned those situations. And I think that makes this even sad. I, I think that I think that people were upset with what transpired between him and his girl. And we listen, at the end of the day, anyone who listens to this can say, Well, you guys don't know them, you don't know the situation. So we are talking about this from what we know, or what we think we know, or what we've seen, just like we do any other topic. But I think that after ten years of writing a blog, a blog that was daily at some point, you have enough information you have enough um rationale for people to believe that you are a certain way especially if you're writing about your personal experiences your personal feelings and the things that you've done in your own situations right you have completely created your reputation one post at a time so on that juncture yes we do need to say Okay, you ha- you hold some sort of social responsibility to the platform that you have created, to the reputation you have created, and at that point, we don't see you fit to hold any more jobs 
revolving around relationships, revolving around what men should do, revolving around, man, Issa Rae, she sure knows how to make a sex scene without using condoms, posts on Very Smart Brothers. And if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, you can just type in Josen Very Smart Brothers or VSB condoms, and you'll see a whole post two years ago on how Issa Rae is good at what she does on Insecure, but in every single sex scene, there's no condoms involved. Much like there are none involved in his own life when it comes to dealing with other women who are not your fiance. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. There's hypocrisy. And at that point, how many people can trust your platform? Why are you laughing? <laughs> well, here's, here's I'm just my who can trust you? No, you no. need more people at that point. You we spent don't believe ten, you. You need, need more people. people. I, knew she was I don't understand how you build a platform for yourself for over a decade just to really like shatter it all. Sounds, and, sounds like Donald Trump. Right. And if you think you won't get <laughs> exposed, but you're moving the way that you're moving, what kind of person are you? So... Here's the difference between the way you view this versus how I view it. Because okay. we're on the same page about... No, I would like to hear the difference. Right. We're, we're definitely on the same page around how could you how could you do this? How could you actually put this in front of people, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the, the quick answer to that and why me and you view this a little differently. I already stated I feel like his wife was wrong for the way she handled it because this is your career. Mm -hmm. But what I am going to say on the flip side is... You clearly, for all these years, were lying. You clearly were. You clearly have had it made such, made it made up in your mind that although you would handle your blog and although you would create these this video content and etc. that's supposed to prop up the way people are having relationships and prop up the idea of what the relationship is with you. You yourself were unable to follow through with the things that you preach. Like literally the whole practice as you preach thing. You can't be on social media and view yourself as a true influencer without being authentic. Because authenticity goes way farther than social media age than anything else. And people will sniff out the unreal shit that you've done. And so... I said all that to say where me and you kind of depart is I don't feel like he should technically be shamed or done done in dirty publicly. Shame. Well, Shame. no, specifically Shame. shamed or done publicly by his wife. I do believe that he has to deal with the consequences of her. Well, not his wife. Sorry, fiance. He didn't make it that far. It's still he, until he, does, he gets married. He does have to deal with the consequences of one the consequences and the thoughts of how she feels and he has to find a way to not necessarily say i'm sorry but at least come to the conclusion of i could have handled these things differently and i could have made this better and i didn't and just be okay with it he needs to do things internally and does not need to do anything externally. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, and I, I think that at this point, if he were to do anything externally when it comes to this situation, uh, it would not work in his favor because like she wrote in her blog post, she thinks he's going to do damage control after what she's posted. So she set up that expectation for us to be waiting for that damage control whenever it may come. 
I just have a problem with, the only thing that I have a problem with, I'm not saying he needs to lose his current job. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying for anyone who's mad at her for what she did. Me? Why do you expect her to hold his position at a higher regard than he did? Because essentially uh, she knows that he's branded himself as one thing. And he knows that as well. So why should we, why should, why is the onus on her to hold his position that she has seen as fraudulent in a higher regard than him, the person who was causing this fraudulency? (laughs) Yes, I made that word, but. Oh my God. (laughs) But no, seriously, that's a real question. Why should we hold her at a higher regard for what he's done? Because the difference... He doesn't have enough respect for his own platform. The difference between them is he is not trying to ruin her career. Although he's going behind her in their marriage, he's not trying to ruin her career. Now, I genuinely feel like that's not okay. But that's But in her mind, she feels like he has ruined her life. And that is a lot worse than a career. Sorry, jobs come and go. He's he's working in the sports field now. Has nothing to do with it. People want to separate his job now from what from the platforms he's created in the past. Okay, fine. If you want to do that, we can. But what she's done has not ruined his career. He still has his job. It has nothing to do with what he's done as far as on the sidelines, and I <laughs> pun intended, um, in their relationship. But if she felt like he ruined his life, she she also feels like, well, I can match you on that. Now, I don't agree with, I will say, I don't agree with taking karma into your own hands. Because I do think that karma will come, and however it comes, that's the way it is. Whenever it comes, that's the way it is. But I do think this was a situation where she wanted to control karma, and she wanted to control when and how it came. And because she had the tools to do so, that's what she did. I do also believe, like Diddy, she is still hurt. Okay. Now, Diddy decided to do the high road post. She decided to not do that. But both, to me, I mean, it's it. So let let's let's move away from the the, the bulk of this because I feel like we've talked about that part of it to death. Okay. What I want to know from you is, in terms of being a social influencer, and I kind of answered this on my end around being authentic, et cetera, do you feel like they have a responsibility? Or do you feel like... Who, the influencers? Yes. Or do you... Oh, or, or Or is it in your mind, you can believe what you want. People are going to push the things that they want to push, so it doesn't matter. I totally believe that they have some sort of responsibility. You have these influencers who are getting paid um, five figures just to post one thing on a product. And if the product is harmful to you, if, if a dark skin influencer posts some, some skin bleaching cream that promises to ha- have you look a certain way and sh- her following is so high and, and people actually buy into it, is that safe? Like, I'm just using that as an example. That's just a really way off example. But I'm just saying that if you know what your following is like and you know how much people, people pay attention to your content then it's important for you to be true to yourself. And I think that it's easy for me to say because I'm not doing things for a check like that. 
And with everything that comes to them, with every proposition that comes to them on a, on the business aspect, I can see how easy it is to sell your soul away. Um, but at the end of the day, you don't know who you're leading to what outcome. And at that point, yes, people can make decisions for themselves. But if you've deemed yourself as an influencer, then yes, you do have a social responsibility. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Why are so you laughing like that? Of, in terms what do you what of, do you think? So so here's the thing. If I was going to take that argument seriously about having a social responsibility, then our president, aka 45, mm-hmm. would be a prime example of why aren't we holding people accountable and these people should be held accountable? And that motherfucker is not being held accountable for anything that he says. Well, he's being held accountable by the people who actually have some sense. No. But not by the people who can actually make changes. That's so <laughs> Yeah. I mean, so I totally agree with you. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. But don't you think that if your job, your day to day, the way that you pay your bills, the way that you even exist and 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 pay for things is based off of you taking your crowd that you've built up and saying, "Do this." Because I'm doing it. Don't you think that holds some sort of responsibility? You're basically leading the flock somewhere and saying, do this. You see me I doing this? I love the thought of leading the flock. That's anyway. basically what it is. Okay. Anyone who's an influencer has followers, okay. right? Just like sheep. Bars. Following each other. Bars. So... And that's not to say I haven't been influenced by an influencer. There's certain products and things that people have used. And I'm like, well, hmm, it worked for them. They look great. Let me try that. But if that is your job to lead a flock somewhere and you lead them in a place that is not beneficial to them, why would you not take social responsibility? Because you know your followers. You know how they act. You know how they interact with you. You know... um, how brands see you, you know, how many of your followers tell you that they've used something just because you used it or tell you that they made a decision in their relationship just because you did it yourself. So you're well aware of the people that follow you and you're well aware of the influence you have over them. So why would that social responsibility not be there? So I would I would say this much. We live in an era where um, cancel culture is all over the place, and we both know this is not real. It's fake. You're saying it's just it's, it's a temporary thing. Yeah, yeah, so, of course, so why, of course. Why are we putting these fake things on people to be like, oh, you, yeah, you have to behave this way, you have to live up to this, man? Ultimately. If he comes out and writes a book about everything that's happened, he's right back in their good graces. No, that's a very good point. And that may be exactly what he's doing. I mean, you have you have the, the, the relationship influencer, Rob Hill Sr., who posts nothing but relationship quotes. And that's really all he does is post, post quotes. And he's built a following Potent potables for five hundred Alex, <laughs> and um, and he ma- and he marries Latoya Luckett, and they get an annulment after two months, and people are questioning how much do you really know about relationships? Because in this post right here, you talk about how you should stick it out, and this post right here, you talk about how you know love doesn't turn its back or whatever the case is. So, I think 
I just think it's, it's, a, it's a fine line. I think you have to be very, very careful. If you've deemed yourself this person or if you have built this platform in a certain genre, you have to make conscious decisions. And cheating on your fiance is a very conscious one. It's not something that just happens. Divorcing or having an annulment with your wife is a very conscious decision. So, and I'm not, I'm not saying that when it comes to relationships, everything's black or white, everything is right or wrong. There's a lot of factors that stem into things that transpire. I'm not going to sit here and say Gina is a hundred percent angel and Josen is a hundred percent devil and she's in the right and he's in the wrong. So, so give me your closing argument on this. Cause I want to, I want to understand where you stand on this. Cause from what I gather so far. You genuinely have disdain for somebody who's one inauthentic, two somebody who's kind of been in your eyes throwing. I don't want to say uh, throwing shade at his uh, previous situation, but he did something that you know nobody would be proud of. But is there a level to you that just says this is the bullshit that people do? Like people cheat every day. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying mm-hmm. you dismiss any of that. But as far as their relationship is concerned, they could even get back together. You just never know. Right. And we're treating this like, oh, he's such a trash person. And meanwhile, at the ranch, she could be like, I got to go back to him. And if they get back together, people will be pointing fingers at her because she is now exposed who he is. Right. Um, I think my closing remarks would be this. I think that. Everyone has a social responsibility, whether it be Joe Schmo, whether it be me, you, whether it be a Josen, whether it be Rob Hill, whether it be a Charlemagne, we all have social responsibility. And one thing that I've learned from having this podcast is that sometimes you say things and then you change your mind. Sometimes you think things and then you become a little bit more enlightened and you have a different viewpoint on things. And that's definitely happened to me throughout the course of us even having these 51 episodes of this podcast. But I think that at the end of the day, as much responsibility as I think anyone has, whether it be an influencer who has a million followers or whether it be a writer who comments on relationship scenes in a very popular show, I think the responsibility that we have, the biggest responsibility that we have is to ourselves. And if you can't be truthful to yourself, who can you be truthful to? Um, Truth, honesty, integrity, those are all factors that trickle into any job that you do. So whether or not he's dealing with relationships right now, whether or not you and I talk about something and someone finds out that what we said wasn't true and, and, and we double down on it, we owe it to ourselves to keep it real. And so if you can't keep it real with yourself, there's no way that you can keep it real with others. And in that aspect, some things need to change. So if that needs to be your job, if that needs to be your mindset, if that needs to be the way that you live life, that's what it is. But we need to keep it real with ourselves. And if maybe this is what it will take for him to do that for himself. Maybe that could be the silver lining in this whole situation. I never want to see someone kicked down. I'm not like reveling in this situation because I would hate to be on either side personally. I just have an issue with people not being true to themselves. 
And I think that at the end of the day, if you have fans, you owe it to them to keep it real with them. So in my closing remarks on this, um, I think we as people need to do a, a better job of not allowing ourselves to put other people on pedestals. Like we facts, we we talked about this numerous amounts of times in different ways on other shows that we've done in the past. But whenever we idolize people or prop them up, we tend to find out they have skeletons because they're humans at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. Um, It it just just recently happened yet again with the the kid who said it's above me now. You know, like people found shit on him, and then he was doubling down. Was like I'm not apologizing for any of this shit when he made. Uh, transphobic and you know anti, you know Semitic comments. Yeah, the Harvard yeah, yeah. prospect. Well, no, that's a different. Oh, who are you talking about? The kid who said it's above me now. Oh, um... literally, the that thing blew up when he. There's a white woman who's being racist to him. She comes to his hotel and he, he's like, "Oh, you were saying all this racist shit, so I'm not letting you in. You have to go to another place." She's like, "Oh, I'm crying." And he's like, "It's above me now. I can't do anything about." It. Anyway, the whole point of me even bringing him up is it's another instance of we prop that person up. We're like, "Oh, look at that person. We feel that person." Blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden, you find out fuck shit about them, and you're like, "Oh no." I can't believe I was endorsing this. If I was to retweet or have liked anything that he said, then that by definition is a free endorsement, which truthfully, no, it's not necessarily an endorsement. But if you continue to follow that person and if you prop that person up, you're doing yourself a disservice. The people you should be propping up is people that you know directly that you have a trustworthy relationship with. But that's not what we do. We tend to want to find uh, saviors, if you will, and other people. It's just not healthy. So be your own savior. So I wanna end the <laughs> I wanna end the show on the do's and the don'ts. And Avia, you start with the do and I'll end it with the don't. Well, on trend for this topic, women, the do for the day is if you find yourself in a long term relationship and the man that you're with proposes to you. Do be sure that this is the man you actually want to marry. I think that sometimes we get into these relationships, everything's going fine, things kind of happen, and we skim over those things because the end goal is being married. And so when it finally happens that we get engaged, we go through with it, ignoring red flags, ignoring things that have happened that could be uh negative years down the line um, or affect you in a negative way years down the line in the marriage. And so if there's anything wrong in the relationship, just trust and believe it's going to continue after you get married. So if you ever get proposed to, if you ever get engaged, I do believe that is the best time to have a serious conversation with the person you're with and see if you guys can hash out the things that have been plaguing your relationship. Because if you do not, what will happen is it will blow up in your face in a different way at some point in time during the marriage. And so to prevent yourself from all that heartache, do have that conversation, even before the proposal, have that conversation. That's the best thing you could do for yourself. 
My don't for the guys is going to be really easy. This is super simple. Um, so for those of you who are unaware, LeVar Ball this week said some fuck shit to Molly Corner. Molly is Jalen Rose's wife, and she hosts First Take along with Stephen A. and Max Kellerman. Molly was trying to transition from one topic to the other. She says, hey, I'm going to switch gears and talk about something else. He responds, and by he, I mean LeVar, responds with, you can switch gears with me anytime. Now, I know LeVar does not work at ESPN. I know LeVar doesn't necessarily have a relationship with Molly. I know LeVar is married. But guys, don't. And when I say don't, I mean do not put yourself in a scenario in which anything you say can and will be held against your punk ass in a court of law. Because ultimately, this is an HR offense, this is a violation, and this is harassment. And not wink-wink harassment. This is legit sexual harassment. You didn't need to say it. It was inappropriate. You need to release a statement apologizing. And I don't know what else to say to you. Don't. (laughs) Just like that. That's our show. Hope you guys enjoyed that. You can catch us on Google Play, SoundCloud, and of course... Instagram and Twitter. Good night. Bye, y'all.